talking about the Jesus way to pray. It's very significant to us, and, and we're, we're discovering that these are like biblical themes that Jesus is, is teaching us about, and to pray, and to, and to vocalize, and, and to point our faith in that direction. We're going to talk tonight about the idea of kingdom come. So let's, let's go ahead and say this together, recite this, let's just let's put God's word in our mouth and say it out loud together. Jesus said this, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. This is the prayer Jesus gave us. Now, the first request in the prayer, we went over that a week or two ago, uh, was hallowed be your name. Isn't that what he said? Hallowed be your name. We, we talk about hallowed is the idea of being holy, that there's no name like God's name because there's, there's no, I don't even, can't even use the word being, there's, there's nothing like God at all. He's holy. He's totally other. He's totally separate. We talked about hallowed means loved, cherished, and honored. So when, when we're saying that, we're saying, Lord, may your name be honored. May your name be cherished. May your name be holy. And I think we need to be careful when we speak the Lord's name. Uh, we kind of got a thing in our house where we, if you're going to call the Lord's name, you need to talk to him. You know, that's, that's the deal. I mean, I wouldn't call Paul. I wouldn't just walk around and say, Paul, <laughs> unless we're going to talk. You know what I'm saying? So we desire, that's, that's, that's the first request in this prayer, is that we desire that our Heavenly Father's name, which is his reputation, actually, is that his reputation be restored in people's minds. That's important. That's, that's one of our desires. That's one of our prayers is that people know who our God is. And how holy he is, how awesome he is, how wonderful he is. Now, what does the average Jane or Joe really think God is like? I mean, that, that, there's a bunch of answers to that question, isn't it? There's, but it's clouded at best for most folks. It's downright wrong for most, you know. And, and you know, God's name is associated with more lies than it is truth in our thoughts and our understanding of who he really is. So this is a prayer to understand God for who he really is. That's a big prayer. So you think about that when you're praying that. That's what you're, you're asking. I, I think it needs to be asked for our own sake because we don't see God completely. In fact, Paul said as clear as he saw God through, through all the, the revelation he received, he said that we still all look through a glass darkly. Nobody sees it quite the way we need to see it. So we, we got this idea. So now Jesus comes with this first word of this message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The idea is repent. We talked a little bit about that. But here, here's the idea. Change the way you think because the way you think about God is wrong. It's not completely accurate. The way we all think about God and his kingdom is not how it really is. And Jesus said, I want you to think about it and I want you to hear what I got to say. Now, here, here's, here's the idea. Jesus says this. He says it to, to Philip, I believe it was, when he speaks up and says, you know, how do we know? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, well, how do we know the way? And he who's seen me, Jesus says, has seen the Father. Now, that's a mouthful. So you want to know what God is like, Jesus says you've got to know who I am. You've got to know what I'm like. So if you've seen me in action, you've really seen God's name, God's character, and God's nature in action. Now, that's a big statement, isn't it? So now, 
hardly anybody thought God was that good. I mean, Jesus really went about doing good to everybody that was around, but he blew everybody out of the water. Because hardly anybody, even the folks that were in charge of, of the scriptures and in charge of the, the, the temple organization and all the sacrifices and all the things, the people that were in charge of the synagogues and were teaching people the scriptures, the scribes and the Pharisees, they didn't get it because Jesus was too good for them. Now think about that. Now that's a revelation of how God, how God really is, is through Jesus Christ. Jesus makes that claim. Hardly anybody thought God was that caring, that compassionate, that merciful, especially towards certain kinds of folks. Nobody thought God was that forgiving. Now get that, I mean, because he literally blew their minds. He blew most of them's minds to the point, well, some of the leadership anyway, to where they want to kill him. He became a threat. The new way became, or the way became a threat to the old way, which is how it usually happens when revival breaks out anyway. Nobody ever thought God was that thoughtful. Jesus went, I mean, taking care of beggars, blind folks, sick folks, people that society had kicked to the curb and said, yes, you can go over there, but don't bother us. Nobody thought God was that thoughtful. And you know who made the laws to push them out that way? The religious folks made those laws. Nobody thought God was that forgiving. Nobody thought God was that powerful. Nobody thought God was that present. Nobody thought God was that concerned, especially about ordinary life with ordinary humans. Oh, they would think he was locked up in the Holy of Holies at the temple somewhere. But you mean to tell me that he's going to be there in the house with some little girl who just passed away, her life really in the scheme of things is not any, really significant to anybody in the town except for her mom and dad. And yet God is so present that even the little children matter to him. That, you know, the outcast of society. Nobody, this is, this is the point, nobody thought God was that thoughtful about their life. And Jesus busts on the scene and he says, you want to see how God is really like? Look at me. So that, that's a challenge because as Christians, we believe that God is defined through Jesus and understood through Jesus, received through Jesus. The kingdom is accepted through Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody can get to God the Father unless they go through him. And Jesus blew everybody away. And I can promise you, if he really stepped in here, he could blow us away too. Because very few of us think that God is that good. We still struggle with that, especially towards me. So hardly anybody thought God was actually that good, and Jesus came to prove it. All right, we're, we're going to get into some of that a little bit more next week when we talk about his will. Now, the second request is what we kind of want to deal with tonight in this prayer is your kingdom come. Say that with me. Your kingdom come. Now, that's a request. Now, now think about this. Your kingdom come. This is not a trick question, but what is the verb or the action in this statement right here? Your kingdom come. What's the verb? Come. It's, it's, it's a request for God's kingdom to come. Okay, now think, think about this. Let's think this through a little bit. What is the believer's prayer, anticipation, and hope for? According to just, just this petition right here, this request. What is, our, what is our anticipation or our hope? What is it? For his kingdom to come. Okay, 
Now, what, what does that mean, okay? Now, if I told Paul that I was going to come to his house, what would his expectation be? I'm, I'm, I'm going to come, right? That I'm, I'm coming to his house. And I expect some gumbo there when I get there. But that's all right. <laughs> that's what it was last time. You started to have it, you know. You know? So that's, that's the, God's kingdom would come. Now, I'm not splitting any hairs with anybody, but think about this. Now, should our emphasis now be on us going or the king and his kingdom coming? Because I'm just saying that over the last hundred plus years, our emphasis in our, in our music and our teachings and our thoughts and our book writings and all that kind of stuff has been upon us going and getting out of here when Jesus said, I want you to be emphasizing the kingdom coming. Now that's, that's a big deal to me now. Now, are we going? Yes, we're going. When I die, I'm going to be with God. I'm going. In fact, I tell people there's one of two things going to happen in your life for sure. Either Jesus is coming or you're going. You're going to meet him. You're going to meet God some way, one shape, form, or fashion. My concern is, is that we have an engaging mindset rather than an escaping mindset. I think that's really important for us. Now, in fact, in John 17, you remember Jesus prayed that prayer? We talked about it. He said, don't take them out of this world. Talking about his disciples. Don't take them. I don't pray that you take them out of this world, but that you strengthen them and keep them strong against the evil that's coming against them. So this is, this is kind of a big deal for me because the idea of us praying for God's kingdom to come. Now, is, is our hope. It's, it's, our hope is not built on the fact that we're going out of here. Our hope is built on the fact that he's coming. Okay? I don't know why it is, but every time we seem to read the passages, we, we, our minds are so geared in, into this idea of us going and the rapture and all that kind of thing. That every time we hear the idea of Jesus coming, we don't think about him coming. We think about us going. I'm just saying, I'm not splitting hairs with you, but I'm just saying our mind needs to be on the idea that Jesus says right here of the king and his kingdom coming. And if we had time, we talked a little bit about this last week. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Guess when his whole plan is finished, the kingdom is coming to the earth. That's interesting, isn't it? Heaven is going to join with earth. It'd be one just the way God anticipated wanted it to be in the first place. All right? Now, now, I realize with kingdom coming, now there's this tension in the scriptures, in the teaching of the New Testament, that there's a part of the kingdom that comes now, and then there's a part of the kingdom that comes later. You know? There's, there, we call it now and not yet. So there's this tension we live in. That we see glimpses of God's kingdom while we're here on earth. And we need to anticipate that. I believe Jesus is saying, I want you to anticipate that not God is coming, that, that the kingdom will come. Right? But we also live with the reality that we know that the wholeness of the kingdom is not going to come until the king splits the eastern skies and he sets up his kingdom. So we know that. But that doesn't leave us with no hope for today. All right, now we'll, we'll unpack some of this as we go. Now, is everybody clear on that? I mean, it's clear as mud, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, these are things we got to keep thinking through and keep working because our hope is tied to this. Our hope is tied to this. Okay? Any, any questions before we move on? I'm, I don't want to die. This is a really big subject. Anybody? And now listen to me now. When, when I say things that may strike you as uh, uh, or odd or, or say I never heard anything like that 
you'd be a good Berean. You remember the Bereans? You remember those guys in the book of Acts that says the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they searched out what was taught to them and they, they dug it out to see if it's true, true or not, see if it lined up with the word? Hey, you do that with everything anybody you hear teaches, including me. Because if, if I'm right, I'm right because I agree with the text. If I'm wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong because something's different in my thinking. You understand what I'm talking about? So when you hear things that say, wait, wait a minute now, I, I ain't never heard that before. You study it out. Call me. Talk to me about it. Okay? You be a good Berean. Get in there and dig it out. You all right? Yeah. All right. Those that have passed on before us, like those that are passing now, mm-hmm. will they be in the going or the coming? <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, that's a really great question. In fact, I got a whole teaching where we talk about uh, when, when a believer dies, what has happened. We'll do that before too long. When a believer dies, what happens? Okay, Paul t- talks about to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So there's the, the part of me that you can't see that's really my, my soul and spirit that's invisible. That part separates. And if you've ever been in a room with somebody when they pass, you know that separation's for real. You know something stayed and something left, for real. I mean, I, I, I mean it's, it's actually a kind of a supernatural experience if you've ever done, been in the room with somebody like that. So where, do they, where does their spirit go? Well, Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay. Now to s- summarize, shorten that all up. Their spirit is with the Lord, the body's laid to rest. When Jesus returns... The scripture says that when he returns, Thessalonians tells us this, when he returns, that he will bring with him the saints. Now, who are those? That's the ones that you're talking about that have gone on before. He will bring with them, and it says that as he comes, the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, what is that? That's their body. The dead in Christ, because God's still got a plan for your body. Because, see, you're, you're not a heavenling, you're not an angel. You're not a spirit being, you're an earthling. And God's got a plan for your body as well. He is going to resurrect the body. I don't know how this is going to happen, but Steven Spielberg, I hope he's watching because he ain't got nothing on this deal. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> it's going to be amazing. It's going to be, it's going to be similar. The resurrection is going to be similar to what we see happening with Jesus to where he has a glorified body, but he's still got a body. I mean, he can walk through a, a wall, and, but he sits down and eats. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's, who knows? I mean, I, I don't have words for it. It's amazing, but it's wonderful to think about. Okay? The dead in Christ will rise first, and then those who are alive and remain, if that's us at the coming of the Lord, we all will be called up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And, but he's not going to stay in the air. Where's he going to stay? Where's he coming? He's coming right here. Okay? And, and we'll talk about this later, but that is a picture, that, that, is a, that is a Roman picture that is painted and redeemed to teach us something. When Caesar came to town, the saints all, or excuse me, the citizens all went out to meet Caesar and welcome him into their city. So when you're seeing that, that's, that's actually what's taking place. That's, it's what's called a triumphal entry, okay? But did I answer your question? Yes. Okay. So they, they go, but then they come. <laughs> I wouldn't be in facetious. It's for real like that, the way, the way the text lays it out, okay? Then they come with him. Um, everybody clear on that? 
Well, you open up a box that I need to ask about, but uh, how, who, who's going to get Bangladesh in this whole deal? And what, uh, where are the, where are our mansions? Are they going to be here on earth or are they going to be in heaven? Well, the, Jesus, or Revelation teaches us through that revelation about Jesus, about the new Jerusalem, which is like Father's house coming down, you know, and it's like a house layered. It's built on all these levels and all this kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to work out. I always wondered, is that when you talk about the mansions? Because uh, on my dad's tombstone, quote is in my father's house in the mansion. But is that tangible? Or in, is it more just going to impart something on us where we just. Yeah. In my father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you, you know, I go to prepare a place for you. Okay, now where was he headed? Well, he was headed to the cross. To prepare that place, right? I'm not, distract me. And then he was going to send to the Father. You're right about that. But he was going to the cross. And at the cross is where he prepared the place to make way for all that to happen at the other place <laughs> in, 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 in heaven, so to speak. Um, in my Father's house are many mansions. That's really a, a Hebrew cultural idea. In my Father's house, see, the, the Hebrews lived at the Father's house. The family lived together in, in their culture. Uh, people didn't move off like we do today. You know what I'm talking about? So the ideal family to be prosperous, say you got a big farm, you're taking care of it. You got a family, you got a big house. Guess what happens if you go and get a wife? You, you build a, a manse, an addition on the father's house for your family. Literally, I mean, archaeology can... It's found these places, literally, that they just keep going on and on. They're connected. And you build a living quarters for your family attached to your father's house. And, and the idea is, is that in my father's house, we're all going to be taken care of. Now, what's it going to look like? You know, is your mansion separated from everybody on the hilltop somewhere? I don't know. It might be. But Jesus is painting a cultural picture to understand that... <laughs> but here, here, that's these are all good questions. <laughs> and yeah, and whatever concept we've got of it, it's going to blow it out of the water. You know, even the words of Jesus just paint glimpses of the pictures that we can understand and see. But the idea we will be with the Father, and I think the idea is He's Father is interested in the family. And, and he will have his family all together, which is us. And it's those believers in Bangladesh and all those people over there, you know. It's believers from all over the globe. Every tribe, what does it say, every, uh, what, how does it say, every tribe and tongue? Every nation, tribe and tongue? That's, that's what I was looking for. So. Yeah, oh, what a, yeah, that's right. That's right. going to be in such awe that... He can probably make things happen around us that we won't even know what's going on because we're so, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying you're a movie star, like when you meet somebody famous, you're just, it says that we And you know, I don't know how it's, how it's going to be. I think the way the scripture paints the picture and these little brushstrokes we get, it's important to let our sanctified imagination go in that direction. It's very important because our hope's tied to that. And I promise you a whole lot of stuff will hit you in this world to where you're going to long for that. Okay? 
And there's something inside of us that cries for that, you know. The Holy Spirit does in, inside of us. I don't know what it's going to be like, but it's important that we hold on to what the Scripture says. And, and just know this, that whatever it's going to be like, it's going to blow you away. The old song said, you don't want to miss heaven for the world. <laughs> yeah, and a glorified body. I don't know what I'm, uh, uh, yeah. Miss <laughs> 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 Pat said that. Miss Pat said the glorified body is going to help you comprehend everything, and it, and it's and it's a body that's going to be fit for that environment that God's made for us. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm. <laughs> There'd be no parting over there. <laughs> Anybody else? Is there, like, what about cremation? Is there anything, yeah. like, with the whole body raising, like, is there anything against cremation for that? No, I mean, the Hebrews wouldn't cremate, but they did do uh, go through a process to where they helped the body decompose very quickly. Um, they would lay the body out on the slab, and then the, the flesh would decay. They would gather the bones and put them in an ossuary box, and they would write George on the box and stick it in, in the shelf, basically, in the family tomb. Um, cremation is, is not necessarily a biblical practice. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It just speeds the process of, of things, you know. Um, I, 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 I had a problem. I, I, I'd always thought about What's that? I don't think it, yeah, we're, we, we know who we're dealing with. Well, now you think about it because there's. The earth and the sea will give it dead. So, I mean, think about all those, all those folks that died at sea and things like that. I don't know, but I do know this. God has made it, and science has taught us this. God has made it that all of you is in every little part of you. It's called DNA. Is that they can take a very small part of you and and get the DNA or the footprint for all of you. That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, science is teaching us that. So, I, I mean, he just needs a little piece. I mean, evidently. So I, I don't know. But, you know, think about how the people that have died 2,000 years ago, I mean, there's nothing left of them at all. You know, and they didn't bury them like we do. Yeah, people, I mean, just all that kind of thing. I don't think it's going to be any, any problem for God. Yeah, and when he does 2.0, he's going to be all right. It's going to be good, ain't it? <laughs> so we think about all this stuff, you know. And I, God had already approved his plan before you shared it with us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you die, you immediately go to heaven. You either get in or you go to hell. Yeah, the scripture. Well, according to what Jesus talked about, this, this thing about, remember this? And Jesus talked about, he, he told this story about the rich man who went to hell in Abraham's bosom and it was there was Abraham was there and there was the good side if we can say it like that there's the side with with the, the righteous and then there was the side with the unrighteous and remember he made a request and they said we can't come there because there's a great gulf between us there's something there's a we can't get to you basically so yes there's a holding place okay it's not the lake of fire that's later 
but but there, it is hell somehow. You're going to you're going to heaven or hell when you die immediately, and then when will there be the judgment? When will judgment day be? Like when will you be the great judgment? When everybody and there are different judgments. Yeah, there is. There's, there's called the great white throne and 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 the uh, judgment seat of Christ. That'll be later. That'll be later. Okay. Um, after the resurrection, after all the things we talked about, when Jesus sets up his kingdom, and he judges, see, when, when it says that Jesus will judge the earth and judge the, the, the righteous and the unrighteous, he, he says several parables about that, right? About the sheep and the goat and separating those and all that kind of thing. When Judgment in the eyes of God is not punishing evil, but it's setting things right. And when he sets for things right, he has to deal with what's wrong. Does that make sense? So it's not about, judgment is not about him coming down on everything that's wrong. It's about him setting everything right. And by your own choices, you chose that, that other way, to be on that other side of it all. So he's, he's going he's gonna to split all that. Now, is, this is a good question for you. Is the book of Revelation actually a timeline? I, I, I don't think it's presented like that. I don't, I don't see, it does have timing and, and sequence in it. But the book of Revelation is given like these flashes of revelation of who Jesus really is. So when it's telling us that Jesus will judge the quick, he, he, the, the living and the dead, the quick and the dead is what the old version says, he will judge the living and the dead, he's going to set it all right. Now how's he going to do it? I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm going to trust him to make it all right. Okay. Um, what's he going to do with those in hell? Well, he's pretty plain, that, that, that revelation is pretty plain about that. He will gather all those and cast them into the lake of fire. That's not a good day. And that's, 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 that's my least favorite part of the Bible, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't, if we knew the horror of what that's all about, nobody would say that without having tears in their eyes. You know what I'm talking so, about? Uh, this is kind of elementary, but y'all know what ranks in church. So when you die, you're going to heaven or hell. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, once the resurrection comes and all that, and there's a new heaven. And he takes and he pulls everybody from hell and he sends them to the lake of fire. When you stand in the great white throne of judgment, you'll stand and count, even though you're saved and your sins are cast as far as the east is from the west, you're going to stand and count for every idle word you said and every deed that you do. And even though you're in heaven, that's. Let me, let, me say, let me interrupt you right there so you don't get confused. You will, you will stay, you will come into account for what you did not confess. If it's forgiven, it's already dealt with. Because I, I watched this thing one time when I was a kid, and it was horrific. It was horrific. Uh, it was a portrayal, basically. It was back in the day of VHSs, and basically God put a VHS tape of this guy's life on the screen, and everybody saw everything he did. And I'm like, that's not a good day. <laughs> that is not heaven. I don't know what kind of song you can write about that, but that is not heaven. Now, is that the way it's going to be? I, I don't think it's going to be that way at all. Okay. You'll remember things that you, I think it'll be, I mean, I don't know, that's just a thing. I mean, I have nothing to go, but. But when you've asked forgiveness, God, it's gone. It's gone. That's gone. Okay, so, so all the sins I've committed in my youth and in adulthood, if it's under the blood, it's dissolved or absolved. So I when you still remember things, is that what your mm -hmm. deeds, like salvation gets you to heaven? But what your deeds and what you did right and wrong, what you... Okay. Remember, remember Paul said this thing about uh, 
about building on the foundation that, that Christ has laid, Jesus being the chief cornerstone. And be careful how you build on it. Remember he said that? And he said, some will build with wood, hay, and stubble. And some will build with like gold and silver and precious stones. Remember that? And he says something very powerful. He said, the works that that person has done will be judged, but they will be saved. See, that's believers right there. So there, there's a lot of things I've done in my life for Ron, in my selfish ambition or something of that nature. Guess what category that's in? That's wood, hay, stubble. Now, here, here listen to this. Because people say, well, God's going to judge you. You know what? No, he's not. Well, he is going to judge me. But that's not a bad thing. He's going to make it to where those things that I did wrong and in the wrong heart and in the wrong spirit and in the wrong way, he's going to make it that they don't haunt me for all of eternity. He's going to burn it all up. So I don't see that as a harsh moment. I see that as a freeing moment of my purification. Does that make sense to you? And then he's going to reward the good things that we've done in the right heart, the right way, helping all the way down to if you did it right and gave somebody that was thirsty a cold drink of water, he said, I'm going to honor that. You see what I'm talking about? Okay, and this is not my lesson, y'all. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah, because the coming's what got us going, right? <laughs> I, I don't know if that helps. I mean, those are, those are really big questions, and that's a couple sentences of an answer. So it's going to be like a lesson, one-on-one lesson with him to say, yeah, like, okay, now you didn't quite do this right. Do you understand why? And okay, you're good. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like when you're doing it. Okay. Okay, now listen, listen to who's dealing with us. The Father who loves us beyond anything you can imagine. The Son who died to get you to stand right there. And the Holy Spirit who lives within you, who has been working with you your whole life, and who is your advocate. So when I stand before the throne of God, I'm not standing there as a whoop puppy. I'm standing there with a pretty good attorney. And, and hey... And the judge is my daddy. Wow. The deal is rigged. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm actually, there's, there's a passage that, that John says, and I can't, don't quote me. It's, it's like in First or Second John. It says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, that God wants us to live in such a way that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. Does that mean I've done everything right? No. But what I think I have done wrong, maybe I've tried to help rectify some of that or get it forgiven. But when I stand in judgment, there's going to be such a confidence there because of who I'm dealing with and who's dealing with me. I really believe that. I'm not just saying that to make myself feel better. I mean, that's who we're dealing with. The one who actually died to get me there. And by then... It says the accuser of the brethren, the accuser would already have been cast down. And then the Lord will hand out rewards. Now, don't get me wrong. He will hand out rewards. He does talk about that. Yeah, you're either in or out. I mean, there's no purgatory. Thank God for that. I mean, I don't know who invented that idea. Because, I mean, you ever been stuck in limbo somewhere? On, on the interstate? 
that's, that's not good. So the, the day of judgment, I mean, it's kind of like everybody just gets in or out, and then all of a sudden everybody gets. Well, there's, there's several pictures. There's several pictures. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be individually. I don't know if it's going to be a group. I don't know if it's going to be handled like a. I mean, I mean like futuristic. Like when you die, I, I guess as a not understanding, I just think you get to heaven. And what I'm asking is like when you get to heaven, do you, is that your judgment then? Or is it later, like way years down the road? When it's portrayed as if it's later. It's portrayed as if it's later. Um, but. You're gonna know. That's what I'm, that's what it's to be absent from the body is to be now that's a that's a promise over believers, not not over unbelievers. That's a promise over believers. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And in his presence is the fullness of joy, scripture says. So whatever that means, that's a good time. So let me ask you this. <clears throat> this is something that you probably tell me shut up and we'll talk about later, but <laughs> it says be asked for the body is present with the Lord. Okay, if you're not saved, do you necessarily go straight to hell? Yeah. Or that some of the unrest spirit, I mean, I'm not, some people may not believe in spirits or whatever, but there is evil spirits. That's evil spirits, but those are angelic type beings. Those are not, those are not disembodied humans. So they're all, so all the, the, now, now, here's the thing. Here, here's, here's the thing about the, that what people may think are, are humans roaming the earth and all these haunted places and houses if somebody got murdered. There's a thing the Bible talks about called familiar spirits. And, it, and the word familiar is the word family, right? That's the same idea, familiar spirits that, that are familiar with your lineage. So if, if Aunt Maggie got killed in that house, that, that spirit knows Maggie. And he can, he can portray himself as that particular thing. That's... that's now I'm stretching it. That's not Bible. That's that's a lot, that's some of run. Well, it is, but I, I I believe we have an imagination that goes beyond like reality we can understand. And we've got a lot. I say we've got a lot. I mean we got we got some scriptures that we can hold on to. Absent from the body to be present with the Lord is a big one for me to hold on to. And I've stood over uh, many folks in in many years of ministry uh, to where we just had to hold on to that promise, and that's a promise. And if you like it is, I think just uh, from personal, really personal experience, my little brother drowns. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they pronounced him dead. Sean, they pronounced him dead. And uh, he come back. And uh, he wouldn't talk about it for years. I mean, he wouldn't discuss anything at all about it. And then before he did die, he did tell us that he did die. And he said, I talked, and God talked to me and said, you have to go back. Oh, wow. It's not time. And he, so I think right then, he was, God talked to him. He is marked man at that point. He marked his To go back. Wow. And he said, and the next thing I knew, I was, <gasps> and I, I was in the emergency room. Wow. But they had wow. pronounced him dead. And, and, and you know, you hear those stories. <clears throat> Now, those, those are points of encouragement and comfort. They're not necessarily points of church teaching. You know, and, and a lot of people have written books about certain things and all that kind of thing. And hey, they can be points of comfort and encouragement. Uh, but we may not have scripture on it. 
you know, because it seems like everybody that, that, that dies, if you read the accounts, there's, there's one commonality, it seems, of the ones I've heard anyway, is this bright light thing. That they, 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 they go on this travel, and then all of a sudden they have this bright light. My deal to understand that, and it's not doctrine now, it's not, this is me, but what I understand is everybody has to have their day of reckoning with God. They go to him. Everybody goes to him. Good and bad. Faith, no faith. Religious, irreligious. It seems like that's the way it is. The way I understand it, the story of Lazarus, he didn't come back in a glorified body. He came back as he was before. Mm -hmm. He'd been in the grave for four days. Yeah, the story of Lazarus now. Now, there was when I said about the rich man and Lazarus in that parable, that was a parable about the rich man and Lazarus. Okay. Now, the story of Lazarus in John 11, who was Jesus' friend and, and disciple, that story, he was dead for four days. Okay, and he experienced a resurrection, or maybe some would call it a resuscitation. He experienced a resurrection. I mean, he's the only man that I know of that's experienced it quite to that degree. I don't know. Maybe there's other people in other countries, but in the scriptures, he's the only one that experienced in that degree. That man knows what it is to be dead for four. I'd like to have a conversation with that man. <laughs> and you know what? That man's story was so compelling and so interesting. That at the end of the story of Lazarus, where it closes out, is that they said they got together and they wanted to kill Jesus and Lazarus. Mm -hmm. Remember it said that? They wanted to kill both of them because his story was so compelling and powerful. And, and it, it, that went ablaze over that community, I can guarantee you that. Wow. You know, but that, that's, that's a, a unique resurrection story right there. <laughs> now, Jesus used that. That's, that, that happening with Lazarus, that miracle with Lazarus, that resurrection with Lazarus, he used that to teach the world that he is the resurrection and the life. That's the truth that's tied to that whole story, that he's the resurrection and the life. So he had to prove to everybody, and then he put an exclamation on that sentence at his own resurrection. Okay? Uh, these, these are really big questions and really big good ideas and good thoughts. Uh, let's keep talking about these things. You know, because we, we're getting a little bit of revelation. We grow it, and, and you know what? There are men in the room, so we know that we don't hear it right the first time. Right? <laughs> right? Isn't that right, Ernie? <laughs> That's an inside joke. That's an inside joke today. Angels are created spiritual beings. Spiritual beings, okay? And they're all demons are all fallen angels? That's the way it seems to be talked about in the scriptures. They're created beings. They're created spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And they, well, a lot of my questions, I mean, y'all probably heard the going through comes from my life. Yeah. And I understand that totally because when, when you dance with some of those things, uh, you know that they're real. Exactly. Now, you can be influenced, you can be oppressed, and you can be 100% possessed. And it seems from the scriptures you can be possessed in multiple ways, and with multiple power or strength against you. I mean, Legion was our name. You know, that's, that's like a thousand, you know what I'm saying? Mary Magdalene said if she, was, she was cast out seven demons out of her. That's pretty wild. Uh, but I, found, I met some folks that I think had at least seven. 
<laughs> and I'm not lying about that. I mean, seriously. <laughs> no doubt. Well, see, Jesus is the one who, who brought the revelation of that other kingdom more than anybody else ever. And the way that other kingdom worked. I mean, Jesus, Jesus would go into a, a, a setting, into somebody's, I mean, he went to synagogue one time and cast a demon out of somebody. I mean, it's called an unclean spirit is another word for it. He cast an unclean spirit being out of this person who went to church every synagogue, every, every Sabbath. Now, now, everybody else just thought she had a problem. Jesus saw the source of the problem. He, he saw this other kingdom at work in her. And, and, it, and even this other woman who was oppressed all these years, it said that she was bowed over all these years. And Jesus said, ought not this daughter of Abraham be set free? You know? And he commanded that spirit to loose her. Now, that's, that was a, a spiritual problem that had a physical manifestation. That's kind of strange, isn't it? Now, we're not, no, nobody's really clear on this, and a lot of people who teach the, a lot of this kind of stuff is weird, so it's hard to grasp anything from them. But, but you know, there's a lot of truth. We stick with Jesus in, in, in understanding it all. Okay? Then Paul will talk about later that we don't war against each other, flesh and blood, but there's principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness. There it is right there. In high places. Okay, the principalities and powers can be angelic in nature, because we see in Scripture, because we're possessed by the Spirit of God, if we're in God's kingdom. So possess is a bad is a bad word. He live he, he dwells us. That's, that's a better word, because possession a person that's in possession with demonic stuff they they literally become out of control of their lives. Yeah, they're they're owned. They're they're slaves. They're owned. A person who is indwelled by the Spirit is, is, now he's marked us out and we do belong to him, but he doesn't, he doesn't control you, he leads you. He, he speaks to you. In fact, the relationship with us being indwelt by the Holy Spirit is described as you can actually grieve him so you don't always have to do what he says, which we've all done that. You have free will still, Okay. But when you're possessed, when that thing kicks in, and, and it's a weird thing with possession because it's not, it's not like they're that, all, that way all the, 100% of the time, all the time. Now, they can get off into la-la land and, and have to be locked up in, in, in confinement or something. But sometimes it's just at will. Whenever that demon wants it, he takes over that other person's will and takes them where he wants them to go. I think a lot of people in addiction are in that situation. Now, there's a side of addiction that needs to be dealt with mentally, physically, but there's also a side of it that needs to be dealt with spiritually. That's why, you know, over half people don't get free. Would it be addiction, the demon or the physical overcomes it? I think if they don't have that spiritual overcome that. Oh, there's no doubt. The freedom's not complete. There's, there's, um, there's several ways we open ourselves up to the Spirit. Fasting is one of them. 
Okay? And, and fasting is a, is a type of a sacrifice, but also fasting is, is you communicating to your body that it's not in control of all of your desires. That's why it's so hard, because our bodies usually are in control, our, even Christians. You know? So fasting is communicating to your body, but it's also communicating to the Lord that I am setting aside special time to sacrifice. I mean, the, the whole kingdom's built to fast and pray. Now, but there are other ways that we enter into the spirit realm through the word. When you read the word with a hungry heart, searching and seeking God, you enter into the spirit realm. Okay? And the Holy Spirit can speak to you more clearly in that state. Okay? Now, when you pray, when you pray the right kind of way, not like the Pharisees would do and try to make a show of it all, but when you pray in the right kind of way, you enter in. In fact, Paul says, come boldly before the throne. So you, you are actually coming before God. That's very spiritual. You know what I'm saying? When you worship, you enter into a spiritual dimension in, in that idea. Now, it's still you. You've still got your body and all that kind of stuff, but you're, that, you're contacting the spirit realm. Okay? That's why it's, it's forbidden for us to contact the spirit realm through anything but the Holy Spirit. It's forbidden. I mean, the Bible no, makes no bones about it that you can contact the spirit realm other ways. It's very plain about that. Witches and warlocks do it all the time. But that is, that is, that is an abomination unto God. It, but I, I mean, it, it is, I'm saying it is possible, but you're not contacting God. You're contacting that one that is said in the scriptures that he is the angel of light, but he's actually the prince of darkness. Y'all going to wear me out. <laughs> I didn't study for none of this. <laughs> so, all right, I, I would ask if there's any more questions, but let's pray. <laughs> we, we already done that. All right. Lord, we thank you for helping us. Uh, we, we've got a lot of questions, um, but Lord, I, I appreciate the questions. I appreciate the hunger. I appreciate the desire. Uh, we we want to know more about you. We want to know more about your kingdom. We want to know about, more about your ways. We want to know about, more about our hope and about the future and how things work and, and why things don't work. We want to know all those things, Lord. So I, I pray you would honor our hunger. I pray you please with our questions. I pray you please with the answers and some of the responses that, that uh, were given, Lord. And I just pray you'd help, help us all to grow in, in wisdom and understanding of these things, Lord. There's, there's a lot at stake. And, and uh, Lord, truthfully, we're betting the whole farm on this deal. So we need you to help us. We need to see more clearly. So help us. Give us your wisdom, Lord. We ask for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.